everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of Airing It Out, Files from Leahy's Broadcast Booth. John Leahy with you. Thanks so much for being with us on the podcast again this week. Had a great show last week. We were talking some Hartford Whaler hockey, and we had a chance to speak with Pat Pickett, who was an author of a recent book that just came out about the Hartford Whalers. And if you haven't had a chance to listen uh, to that episode yet, we encourage you to do so. Please feel free also to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, we're on Apple and uh, pretty much anywhere else podcasts are heard. And uh, today's going to be a real special episode because I'm going to turn the clock back here and I'm going to go back to my very beginnings in uh, my in the uh, broadcasting industry. Uh, I started uh, doing broadcasting back in 1995. Seems like quite a while ago. It's uh, 20, going on 27 years now. And uh, if you followed the podcast, uh, you know that um, what I try and do is reach out to people that have uh, I've met over the years that have uh, had an impact on my broadcasting and my travels and whatnot. And uh, so to that end, I'm going to bring in a man who uh, I've known for a long time, and he was with me from the very beginning. Uh, first game I ever did, uh, December 23rd, 1995, a Stoughton High School hockey game, and this man was behind the bench for Stoughton uh, High School hockey, as he still is today. Uh, it's my great pleasure to bring in Stoughton uh, head coach Dan Mark. And, uh, Dan, it's so great having you here. Thanks for uh, spending some time today. Thanks for having me, John. Well, it's always great uh, crossing paths with you, Dan, and uh, I thought we'd uh, go back here and uh, talk a little bit about our history and uh, some of the great things we've seen and your background. And uh, I guess I'll start by talking about that very first game. I know it was a long time ago. You had already been behind the bench for a few years, but uh, Stoughton and Bishop Fian uh, played each other at the uh, AZF Arena, which Stoughton still uses today. And uh, uh, I remember approaching you and saying, hey, how would you like your games uh, broadcast? And we had a nice conversation. And the rest, as they say, is history. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could remember much about that, John. It was a long time ago. Had a lot of games in between. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I wound up doing the games for uh, Stoughton for 10 years, and we wound up uh, doing a lot of games together and uh, and seeing a lot of games and a lot of rinks. And uh, uh, so uh, I thought we'd start about talking about, first of all, your time at Stoughton. You just completed your 41st season behind the uh, bench in 2021-22. And uh, you know, tell us how that all came about with you getting the job in Stoughton and, and how much of a fun ride it's been. Well, I started out, I had coached at BC High right when I got out of college with uh, Jim Gormley, who was my high school coach at Stoughton High. I did that for two or three years. And then Ray O'Malley, another good friend of mine who was a Stoughton High coach who took over for Jim Gormley, he had an opening as a coach and I had started teaching at Stoughton in 1980. So in 1982-83 season, I became the assistant coach for two years for Stoughton High. And then Ray stepped down to devote his time to the athletic director's position. At that point in time, 84-85 season, I took over as head coach. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I mean, you, you played at Stoughton High, right? And, and you had a great career there. And so I imagine that when the Stoughton High position uh, came available, uh, there was a lot of interest on your part. Absolutely. I mean, aside from the fact that I didn't have to drive into Boston anymore every day for practice <laughs> and games, you know, just walk up the hill, get on the bus. And ironically, where we go, we go back into Boston. We practice in Dorchester most of the time. We only had ice at Asiap one day a week. The other days we were in Vine Rink in Dorchester. Um, 
But yeah, I was definitely, I was looking forward to coaching where I grew up, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dan, you went on to uh, play. I want to talk about your collegiate career a little bit as yep. well, because you played at UMass Amherst, and that program has certainly had a lot of success lately. So talk a little bit about your experience there at UMass and how uh, gratified uh, you were to see the Minutemen have as much success as they've had. Also, of course, winning the national championship uh, last year. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was, it was a great feeling because, <laughs> unfortunately, I was in – I was playing right about when they dropped the program. In fact, I ended up transferring eventually to Bridgewater State because they were going to drop the program. Plus, my uh, I was switching majors, and my advisor told me I should switch because I wanted to become a teacher to go to Bridgewater State. Um, but my heart still is definitely at UMass. I mean, I go to as many games as I possibly can. I, uh, I saw them in Buffalo when they lost in the finals a couple of years ago. And last year in Pittsburgh, I had the toughest dilemma of whether to go or not. But because of the pandemic, I decided not to go, but I got to watch it and enjoy it on television. So, yeah, it's great to see the program progress the way it has. I mean, that's the way it should be. Massachusetts, UMass is the biggest school in Massachusetts. It's great to see them have such success. Yeah, and of course, one of the players on that UMass team that uh, went on to play in the National Hockey League was Kale McCarr, and uh, I believe you had a chance to meet him at the airport. Uh, so maybe yeah. you could tell us tell yeah. us that story. It, it, it was comical. I left. Uh, I actually went to the Hobie Baker ceremony too, so I saw him get that that year. That was pretty neat. But uh, I, I was heading. I got off my. Uh, I think it was an Uber to the airport. I walk in the airport. I'm not. I'm looking around trying to figure out where I'm supposed to go. And I bump into this guy who's bending over, and he stands up. It was Kale McCarr, and he was <laughs> he, he was so nice. He saw I had my UMass hat on, and we talked for a few minutes. He asked if I played there. I said, "Yeah, well, that's long before you were born." And he goes, "Were you in the program that killed it?" Sitting <laughs> <laughs> around, I said, "Yeah, I guess you could say that." But what a, what a nice kid he was. I mean, I'm I'm so happy he's had such success. He's an amazing player. Yeah, he really is. Now, I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, what Greg Carville has done out there in Amherst. Uh, you know, he came to UMass from St. Lawrence, and, you know, he was committed to building a, a culture of winning. Uh, just maybe a few thoughts about uh, your perception of, of how Greg has turned that program around. Well, the biggest thing I'm impressed with is the uh, the GPAs of the students. I mean, his, his athletes have phenomenal GPAs. I forget the exact – I think it was like 10 or 11 with a 3.5 or above last year. I yeah. think so. I mean, he's bringing in good citizens. I mean, I think about Bobby Trevino, you know, his freshman year, you know, he, I think he got DQ'd from a, uh, one of the games uh, for a high hit or whatever. And, uh, you know, he was a little on the edge, but I've watched him progress and he's just a, just a quality, quality person. I think Cabo does a great job. I think he re recruits good students and, and really good people. And obviously, good hockey plays. I think it's great that he does, you know, the combination of all three. Yeah, you know, and it was interesting this past year. Of course, I do the radio for Merrimack, and Merrimack and UMass played four times this season, and UMass won each game by one goal, and three of them were in heartbreaking fashion. So, uh, you know, for Merrimack, I guess it was. Uh, um, uh, a feeling that they could play with the, one of the best teams in the country, but uh, those were four terrific hockey games. And Dan, as you know, Hockey East is the best uh, conference in the country, at least in my opinion. Oh, it is from top to bottom. I think it's, it's no question about it. In fact, I think sometimes it hurts because, uh, because you know, they knock teams knock each other off all the time and uh, a lot of upsets. And I think that affects a lot of their records sometimes, but uh, 
I'm always in, you know, I have a tough call when Merrimack's playing UMass. I mean, you know where my heart is, but, <laughs> yeah. but I, 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 deep down I root for the Warriors as well. Well, we appreciate that, Dan. And I know we're going to kind of jump around here a little bit, so I apologize okay. I apologize if I'm not uh, overly uh, as, as prepared as, as uh, possible here. But uh, I wanted to talk, uh, too, a little bit about uh, some of the stuff you do in the offseason, Dan. You are completely committed to hockey. I know uh, you've done work uh, in the for the uh, Cranberry Cup, the high school summer league down in Bridgewater, also the Foxborough Summer League. Uh, Mohawks Youth Hockey, Tri-County Saints Youth Hockey. Uh, you've also been with uh, Hub City Hockey. So uh, you're, you certainly are committed to it year-round, Dan. And, and tell us a little bit about how uh, that off-season um, work impacts your, your life. Well, it's kind of coincidental, but I, I started doing that off-season right about when you started broadcasting our, uh, our games. You know, I, there was a market out there. First of all, to make a few extra dollars, which really wasn't much, but um, also gave me a chance to, you know, rub elbows with the quote-unquote elite coaches, and uh, you know, it's been, it was a great experience. I mean, I coached the England College Development League, which was the be-all program, off-season program of the elite players back in the, in the late '90s. I mean, I had Tom Pody. I think you remember him. Yeah, I uh, played yep. at BU. Uh, had Mike Motto, who played for BC. Uh, I mean, Mike Ryan, that played at Northeast. I know you remember him. He must yep. have called yep. the games against Merrimack. I mean, I had some unbelievable players. And uh, it was just a phenomenal experience. Well, I wanted to ask you, too, about, um, you know, playoff hockey. Dan, you've been to the state tournament as a head coach. Uh, Talk about how special that is. I remember doing some games on Stoughton Cable. I remember one specific one, Dan, when uh, it was up at UMass Boston, and Stoughton was playing against a Hockamock rival. I believe it was King Philip. Uh, and it was at UMass Boston. But, you know, I've, I've had a chance to do a few playoff games back uh, doing the high school uh, broadcast. But uh, tell us from a coach's perspective how special that is. Oh, it's it's just an amazing experience. Uh, for me, it's, it's just great to see the kids get treated so well. I mean, I, I, I also worked at, I've been working the tournament, helping out. Jim Goldman used to be the tournament director, so I got involved in that angle of it, helping out being a site manager. Well, we basically would make sure we ensure that it's a great experience for the kids because uh, it's not supposed to be just another regular season game. And, and from a coach, coaching perspective, it's, it's just the tempo's great. The crowd, you see people coming to games that have never gone to a hockey game in their life, which is really good. I, I think you remember, John, the game. I think it was the following year we played Duxbury at UMass Boston. Yeah, I was there. Yep. Yep. And that was just an incredible game. And that one I'll never forget because there were so many people, I, townspeople I had never seen in a hockey game, teachers, administrators. It just, it just definitely, it's definitely a fantastic experience. Not compared to Minnesota, though, where it's just incredible. Yeah. I mean, 18,000 people at a high school game, but it's still a real nice experience. No question about it. You know what I remember about that Duxbury game is I was set up on media row and WATD was there to cover the game for Duxbury. And I had a nice t- uh, chat with Bill Wilhelm, who was the uh, play-by-play announcer for, yeah, I remember him. Yeah, yeah. for the teams down on the South shore. And I wound up going on in between periods. So that was my official induction into radio, Dan, that, mm. <laughs> that Stoughton game up at UMass Boston. But, uh, yeah, no, that those were a lot of fun. And I know, Dan, we've been in a lot of rinks together. 
uh, back in the day, uh, back in the day when I was doing the high school games. Uh, I know my favorite one was the old one in Canton there on 138 uh, before it collapsed due to the uh, uh, the snow on the roof there. And, and I heard that they're rebuilding it. Uh, what are some of the favorite rinks you've had a chance to coach in? Well, that rink opened up last year. They, they reopened it. Okay. Uh, so it's been open for two years now. Uh, without question, the, the, the best rink to play at, bar none, is Gallo Arena in Bourne. That's just a yep. phenomenal venue. I mean, the sound system's great. The crowd's up above you, and they, they really make it a first-class experience. But having said that, for me as a coach, probably the best experience ever was playing at BC that year against Newburyport. Okay. You were with us, I believe. You were with us. I think it was '94. Yeah, that would have been one. Um, that that would have been year one year before. before yeah. And yeah. that was just, I believe, Conti Forum had just opened up. Yeah. And, yeah. And, talk, and talk about things going in full circle. The guy that was running the rink used to run Four Seasons Ice Arena, where I played my high school hockey, and uh, it was kind of magical running into him, running the rink there, and he took extra good care of me, so it was kind of neat. But that, right. that place was that place was phenomenal when it first opened. You know, I remember having a conversation with you once about road trips that I've taken on Merrimack, and one of the places that I've been to is West Point, uh, out to Army. And I know you have had a chance to go there, and uh, maybe you could describe for our listeners what a phenomenal place that is. That that is something that hockey fan or otherwise, you should everybody should go there. Um, I had the opportunity of playing there three times in college. We actually beat them twice in, in, when I was at Bridgewater State, and they weren't too happy about that. <laughs> but, but, I mean, the place is, well, you know, it's packed. I mean, all the cadets come and watch the game. I mean, they're cheering and uh, just the history, walking along the river and seeing all those statues and, you know, eating your pregame and postgame meals and, and that huge, I always call that the uh, Harry Potter Hall. I get the name <laughs> of the hall in Harry Potter, but that's what it reminds me of. But West Point's a phenomenal place to play. And, I, and the new rink, I, I play the old rink, and it's I think it's a lot of the same dimensions, but you could drive a car behind the net. There was so much room back there, which from a defenseman's point of view, that's a good thing. Yeah, and when you go there on a college road trip, you don't just get the hockey experience. You get the full uh, tour, and, and you, you understand the history of the United States. Boy, it really puts things into perspective, doesn't it? It really does, especially, I mean, I, at the time, I wasn't even thinking about being a history teacher, but I became a U.S. history teacher, so I can look back at that and with, with fond memories and just thinking about all the amazing people that went through this place. Just remarkable. Yeah, you know, and you, you bring up that you uh, taught social studies at the uh, at the junior high level. I'm curious as to as to how much fun that was. I know a lot of the students that you had over the years really looked up to you, but uh, you know, knowing your personality uh, as I do, you know, all the years we've uh, we've known each other, I imagine that had to have been a fun job for you. Looking back on that, how how fun and rewarding was that? In addition to the hockey responsibilities you had, I, I absolutely loved every minute I was there. I know it's a cliche, but it's absolutely true. Um, I hated to retire, but I also realized that when it's time to retire and you can, you should, because, you know, you want to live your life. But uh, that age group was just just fantastic. I mean, I tried to make history fun because I had some teachers who uh, I look back at and they were, quote, unquote, kind of boring. 
which we all had. <laughs> you probably had a lot of the same ones, John. Yeah, they um, they shall remain nameless too. Yeah, and and, and I, I liked them all. Don't get me wrong; I thought they were very good teachers. But I tried to make it a little more fun. You know, throw out a few few erroneous facts. Like I'd say things like Abe Lincoln, you know, got a full scholarship to University of Kentucky for basketball, played in the <laughs> played in the Final Four. And the, it, the kids are starting, they just look at it like, I'm only kidding. He really didn't, you know. So, I mean, you could kid around with the age group. That, I think they're great personalities that age. It really is. Yeah, and the, and the secret really is to make learning fun, right, as a teacher? Yeah, ab- absolutely. All right. Absolutely. So there's a couple of stories I have in my notes, Dan. I'd just like to quickly, uh, you know, get your thoughts on those. One of them uh, was uh, you guys showing up at our wedding. My, uh, my wife and I got married in December of 1999, and we wanted to have a hockey sort of themed wedding. And uh, you guys, we explained uh, to you what we were hoping to have done, and, and you guys pulled it off. Can, can you uh, recall any of that and, and describe that story for our listeners? Because it was really special to us. A- absolutely. Uh, you asked me if we'd be interested in uh standing outside the wedding with our sticks up in the air and you and Laurie would walk underneath them. And uh, I asked the kids, and it took about a millisecond for them to say, yeah, we can't wait to do that. <laughs> so we, uh, I don't know if we took a bus up there. I want to say we did take a bus up there. Cause I think we, in fact, yeah, you, yeah, you did. And you, drove, you drove it. Yeah. I drove the bus. I have my bus license just to give that disclaimer. Oh, wow. Right. So yeah, I drove the bus and, uh, and the kids, they, they had the most, I still have the pictures of it, John. It's just, uh, it was a fond memory. I'm glad we made your day special because it was, it was appropriate because you're both hockey fans. So. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the, we got that idea from, you know, the military-style weddings where they walk yeah, under exactly, the swords. The yeah, right, exactly. So I pitched the idea to Lori, who at the time, you know, she knew nothing about sports. and uh, <laughs> But it wasn't a hard sell. And, uh, you know, she was receptive to the idea. And then, you know, we talked about it. And, Dan, the, the best part of that whole story is what you just described, the reaction of this, of the kids. Because I wasn't sure how they would respond to it. But from what you've told me, uh, they had a really great time with it. They did, John. You know, and, and going along my theme about teaching middle school kids, high school kids, the key word is they're still kids. Right. And, you know, you, you tell them, that you ask them to do something like that. And, you know, it actually had a little bit of pushback from a kid here or there. But, I mean, I think we had the whole team. I'm pretty sure we had the whole team. Absolutely. And, uh, and, they, and they, they loved it. I mean, they really enjoyed it. I think. Sometimes you give a kid an opportunity to do something and they realize how special it is. Maybe they don't realize it when you ask them to do it, but they, they certainly enjoyed it. Well, you know, we are grateful to this very day. We always will be that uh, you, you guys were willing to do that. That was, uh, that was on December 4th, uh, so that was right before your season started. So you, yeah, had, it was. you had a busy schedule and you, you took time out to do that. So uh, we're, we're very grateful. The other story, Dan, I wanted to talk to you about, and, and this is something I know you're going to look back fondly on. There was a young man by the name of Matty Marcone who uh, yeah. was a Canton student who had uh, a – a rare disease, and uh, the Bulldogs wanted to get him onto the ice and participate in a varsity game, but it went a lot further than that. So could you tell us that story from the beginning? And, and don't hold back, because I think this is a fantastic story that our listeners are going to want to hear. First of all, probably the highlight of my coaching and athletic career. In fact, it was the highlight, not, not yep. probably. Uh, Brian Schulman, the Canton coach, who I just can't say enough good things about, just a classy guy. He teaches at Westwood High, coaches Canton High. 
he approached me uh, about Maddie's a hockey player, and uh, but unfortunately he, he, his bones are somewhat brittle, so he couldn't really play in an actual game. Otherwise, they would have dressed him for a game. Right. So he asked if you know we could we could possibly let him dress for a game, and go one step further and let him try to let him score a goal. Yeah. So Brian, you know, Brian orchestrated the majority of it. I told my kids about it, and once again, they were all excited about helping the kid out. And so what we did was we made a plan. And uh, at the time, we we weren't a very good team. We we were young, very young. And his team, obviously, is always very good. So we decided what we would do is we'd let uh, the first shift of the game, we would score. (laughs) And I'm laughing because it was funny because we couldn't. Our kids come out of the locker room, and the rink was absolutely packed. I mean, there was all the major news outlets were there. Uh, you know, you know, the TV trucks, the cameras. My kids, had, they were petrified. So we get out <laughs> there. They let us win the open and face up. We get down. It took us about three shots to get a goal. Like, the, we couldn't even hit the net. And then we finally scored. So now we're, we're up one to nothing. And now it's time for Maddie's shift. Because we wanted Maddie's goal to mean something. So Maddie gets out there. He comes in. My defensive makes an effort to make it look like he's trying to break him up. He comes in on our goalie. I go, we, we knew that Maddie likes to do top shelf on the glove side. Yeah. So my goalie just dipped a little bit, gave him the top shelf. Maddie nailed it. And uh, the bench is emptied. Our kids were, like, so excited. They, they mobbed them. The Canton kids mobbed them. Um, we gave him a nice little plaque for his first varsity goal. And uh, just an amazing experience. Yeah, I happened to be there that night, and and I remember uh, all the media attention that it got, and uh, you know that's that's quite a thing that that uh, Stoughton did, and and when Brian Schumann, I'm sure, uh, approached you on that idea, knowing you as I do, I'm sure you were very excited about it. Oh, a- absolutely! K- kind of a funny twist here too, John. Um, when Fox 25 showed up, the reporter Christine McCarthy made it a point to come see me. She says. Uh, Mark Ockerbloom says hi. I coach Mark at BC High. Oh wow! Okay, that's so funny. But he 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 heard about it, and that's why he made it a point to send out the news crew there to cover it. So, now, definitely a, definitely a special moment for me. Now the part of the story that I wasn't aware of is I didn't realize that it was part of the plan to have Stoughton score first. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I mean, it didn't it didn't look like it because we couldn't score, but. Um, I mean, we, we got killed that game. Canton was sky high. And like I said, my kids were petrified. They didn't know what it was like to be in front of a crowd that, that big. But it, it was just, just an unbelievably special night. And I'm, I, I stay in touch with Maddie all the time. Uh, during the pandemic uh, last year, I believe it was, I went by his house, bought some town spot pizza. We ate it outside, spread out. Um, he's just a special kid. Nice uh, family. Right. Uh, Dan, you also mentioned uh, a moment ago about the pandemic. I wanted to ask you about that. Uh, uh, what was the impact of COVID on on what you do and, and the and the high school hockey uh, season? Obviously, you know, tough times. Uh, we had never seen anything like that before. But uh, how was it like for you? And how did you guys all adjust to that whole situation? Well, last not this past season, but last year, we all had to wear masks. Which the kids the kids were fine with. They they. Most of the adults that complained about it, the kids were perfectly okay with it. Uh, we, we were vigilant about it because we didn't want to have shut down. We got shut down once 
one uh, over a couple pair, but back then it was like if one or two kids had it, the whole team got shut down. Yeah. Um, so, you know, last season was kind of challenging. There was some good things and some bad things, but the good things were like, uh, you know, you, you learned a little bit about social distancing, uh, which I think can apply in general in, in life now. Yeah. Um, and, and the bench was certainly not crowded because you can only have your next line that was on the ice on the bench. You have, you have a coach off the bench that would have the next line ready to come on the bench. Uh, and luckily we didn't play in any rinks that it was logistically any bit of an issue. Uh, Randolph, I guess, really had the hands full because they, they had, they put benches across the ice. Yeah. So when they had to change up, <laughs> I guess it was a pretty crazy, crazy change up. They, they go to their benches and then once they, they you know, they, they go on the door on the side door across the way, they come on the ice for the line change. So that, right. so that, that I don't know how that ever worked out, but um, it really wasn't that bad of a deal for us. Honestly, a limited schedule. We only played 10 games, but uh, all, all things considered worked well this past season, you know, it was more of the same. We, we, we were vigilant about the mask. We didn't have any shutdown. We had, we had one COVID case, I believe. Um, and so unfortunately two COVID cases, one of them was my goalie. So we lost him for a 10 day period. Um, so I had to put a defenseman in goal, but that's a different story. But, um, all things considered, John, it wasn't as big an issue as people made it out to be. And Dan, uh, also, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, the other responsibility you had coaching when you were down in Stoughton. You served as an assistant softball coach for, uh, I believe that was, uh, was that for the boys or the girls? I, I, w- I was assistant baseball coach, JV coach for baseball Yeah. from a- 81, I think, to 95. Okay. And then I, then I took a year off because I had surgery on my arm. And then after that, I um, I took over as a JV coach of softball. Okay. So like three three years ago, I gave it up. Right. And uh, you also coached uh, field hockey uh, for yes. the girls. Now, is that something you're still involved with? Yeah. I yeah. started that in 82. And so how many years that is? You can figure that out. You're better at that than I am. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's – and Stoughton also started a girls hockey team, Dan, and, and that's so wonderful to see uh, the the women's sports is really expanding. And, and I know that uh, you are happy to see uh, the uh, program expand to include uh, the girls. Yeah, for two reasons. One, it meant I didn't have to have girls on the team, which I, I had no problem with it. But it causes some logistical problems at time. times. Uh, I, I had a girl on my team probably about 10 years ago who was really good. I mean, she'd do body checks. She'd drop down block shots. So she fit right in. But I've had girls on my team before that you know, you're worried about them getting hurt out there. And uh, so I'm glad uh, for that selfish reason. But I'm, I'm glad for the girls because it's really starting to grow. They got uh, a lot of kids at the junior high, middle school level that are interested. They do a four town co-op with Sharon Brock and Randolph now. And um, hopefully their numbers will grow a, a lot too, but the girls are having fun regardless of the scores on the record. So I'm, I'm happy for them. 
We're talking with Dan Mark. He is the longtime head coach of Stoughton Hockey. The team is now uh, co-opted with Brockton. They're Stoughton Brockton. Dan has just completed his 41st season behind the bench in uh, 2021-22. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, Dan's Hall of Fame credentials in a moment. Now, my name is John Leahy. You're listening to Wearing It Out, files from Leahy's broadcast booth. Well, Dan, uh, you've been inducted into a few halls of fame. I wanted to get a sense of how uh, special that was. First, let's talk about the Massachusetts State Hockey Coaches Association Hall of Fame. You went in in 2014, and I'll tell you, to be uh, honored like that by your peers, that has got to be special, and I wonder if you could reflect on how important that was in your career. Yeah, it's, it absolutely is an amazingly special moment for me. When I look at the list of coaches, um, you know, su highly successful coaches record-wise, and, and just to be, you know, in, in that same category as them, is, it's, it's pretty amazing for me. Uh, it was a surprise. I mean, I didn't, I never expected it, but it, it kind of validates your, your job as a coach. Um, but yeah, it meant, it meant a lot to me. It means a lot to me. Yeah, and I, I believe you're the second longest tenured coach uh, in, in high school hockey. There was one gentleman who I think had put in a few more years, but I, I haven't uh, updated. I haven't checked that for updates lately. But uh, really, to be at one job, you know, for 41 years, that is an astounding uh, achievement. And it's it's something that uh, you, you absolutely should have been recognized for, and I'm glad you were. And you're also a part of the Stoughton Hall of Fame, which uh, you went in in 1998, but you still have close ties, right, to the Hall of Fame as uh, the there are people inducted on a yearly basis, and, and you're, you pretty much oversee the, the dinner and, and, the, um, and the, that whole uh, procedure, right? So talk a little bit about that, if you would. Yeah, what happened was the uh, Stoughton Hall of Fame was uh, created, I think, in the late 80s by Peter Looney, who was the athletic director, and Tony Sano, Jim Bouchel, principal, assistant principal. And, um, but then it kind of fell by the wayside, and then Chad Kelly became the athletic director. He, re re he reignited it, and then uh, he, last, he was there a couple years, and then they had one more induction with a new athletic director. And then there was an eight-year period where there was nothing, maybe even longer than that. So I, I volunteered to take it over because, you know, people deserve to get recognition. A lot of great athletes at Stoughton. So I took it over. Uh, our first induction when I took it over was 2018. And then, unfortunately, the pandemic struck after that. So it's, we're having our next one, uh, May 11th. Looking forward to that. Yeah, that's great. And, uh, you know, I was just thinking back about the, the times that we've had together as, uh, you know, I, I – promoted this podcast as uh, a throwback, you know, going back to my roots, my beginnings. And uh, Dan, I want to tell you that I pretty much have every VHS tape that we ever did together still up in my attic. And uh, once in a while, I'll, I'll pop a few in just to uh, appreciate where I've come from. And uh, boy, those were some fun times. I remember doing a game up at uh, Matthews Arena uh, at Northeastern, a game against Latin Academy. It was Latin a, Academy, that's right, yeah. A player by the name of John Fanning uh, scored that night. I believe it was uh, yeah. an empty net goal. And I remember Dan doing that game way up on top of Matthews Arena. Uh, they used to put us in uh, under the roof there. And of course, now we're at, li at ice level there. But uh, doing a game at Northeastern, that was certainly a lot of fun back then. That's that's a that's a special place. I had forgot all about there. I mean, I remember playing there in high school, my sophomore year, 
we played back then. They used to play, used to alternate periods, and we were playing Wayland, who was the number one seed, and that was the first time Stoughton had ever made the tournament. And the other game was Marblehead versus South Boston. Well, safe to say there was an enormous crowd there from South Boston, and uh, we weren't even in the same ballpark with Wayland, and uh, but we, we used to alternate periods. So South Boston. Marblehead played their first period. Then we go out for our first period. And uh, the crowd would give us a standing ovation. All the South Boston fans, they decided they would root for us. And uh, that was an, uh, such a special night. I mean, it was it was unbelievable. So I have fond memories of that place. Yeah, and that was also the time we did a playoff game at uh, John A. Ryan Arena in Watertown. Do you remember that one? Uh, absolutely. We, we, we had We've actually had two games there. And one of them, I think, might have been. I know we lost both of them, but one of them we lost two to one. That was before you. Uh, okay. It, it was definitely before you. I think it was in '93. We, it was. We had an unbelievable layoff. Actually, no, I take it back. It was. It was when you were there. We had a layoff. Yeah. A big layoff. Yeah. Because there was snowstorms. I want to say we were the number three seed or something like that, and we had a, a like a 16 day layoff between our last game and our first playoff game and safe to say we had nothing in the tank. I felt bad for the kids. Yeah in, yeah, in fact, I went uh, I went over and did a Merrimack game over at the Jar. I think we, we played there twice before uh, Bentley opened up their new arena. And um, I don't know if you've seen the new arena over at Bentley, Dan. Sure, it's, it's beautiful. It's, yeah, it's terrific. Uh, we were I one. Had a, I had a coach's clinic there, and uh, I was kidding around with the, the, with the Bentley coach. I said, is this a little better recruiting you know, uh, item than a uh, jar. It's just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So have you have you ever had a chance to play on the Boston Garden Ice uh, in your time at Stoughton? Never. Ah, wow. We, the, we were one game out when we lost to uh, Newburyport in '94, mm-hmm. uh, and that would have been pretty nice. But uh, no, I I got on the ice a few times with the Sportsmanship Award. Right at, the, right. at the state final. So at least I got physically on the ice. So that's kind of neat. Dan, you've worked with some uh, special coaches over the years, and I know there's they're too numerous uh, to mention. But, uh, you know, I think of guys like Dennis Aldrich, who uh, you worked with. He's now the head uh, coach for Canton uh, women's hockey. Uh, you've got uh, a special guy in Frank Antonelli now. And uh, uh, so maybe just a thought about uh, your assistance on the bench and how uh, wonderful it's been to uh, work with them over the years. Absolutely. Dennis uh, volunteered for like, I want to say eight years, six or eight years for us. Just a great guy. I mean, uh, he, he got passed over for the Canton High Varsity job. At that point in time, he volunteered to come coach with us, which I'm sure was a tough pill to swallow for a bulldog to come help the Black Knight. <laughs> yeah. But he did, and he was he was a phenomenal assistant coach. I uh, absolutely love the guy, and he, he's done a great job with the Canton program. They won the state title i believe back to back and then they lost last year in the final this past year in the finals he's actually getting inducted in the coaches hall of fame too oh that's great that's great we're trying to get the women women coaches and girls coaches unfortunately a lot of them haven't coached very long because there hasn't been girls programs that long but i'm really happy for him and then frank frank's done a great job i've known frank since the days of tri-county saints when both our kids were playing and uh, I've just seen Frank evolve into a really good coach. Very passionate, dedicated, uh, just a real character. But but an absolute pleasure to work with. And he's 
and he's embraced the values that we've always taught at Stoughton High, you know, good character, good sportsmanship, hard work, et cetera, et cetera. So he's been a great addition. And you had a goaltender who used to play for you that wound up being a pretty successful coach himself, one of my former broadcast partners, Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith, Smitty. Smitty's awesome. Smitty started out with me in uh, sixth grade as my manager. He was like four, four foot nothing. He he didn't he was he literally was lower than the goalpost. In fact, a funny story about him: we're playing Franklin, and Bob Lucini was coaching, longtime Franklin coach, just an absolute gentleman. He's now a scout for the Carolina Hurricanes, but he was very volatile during games. Oh yeah, I remember once the, that. Once the once the game was over, he, he couldn't have been more of a gentleman. So he he leans over to me at Franklin one time. He goes. You tell that guy to stop yelling at our bench. I'm like, who's he talking about? I'm like, it was Kevin Smith in sixth grade. <laughs> he wanted to kill him. I was like, Smitty, knock it off, will you? But no, he's done very well. I'm really happy for him. He's a he's a good coach. He's he's very passionate. I know he does. Him and his wife do a great job with the uh, Islanders program. They skate out of Merrimack, don't they? Yeah, Gallant Arena, right? Yeah. 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 Um, but I remember you talk about Franklin. Uh, that was a house of horrors to go over there because uh, no, really nobody had any success over there. Canton held their own when they had to go play there. But uh, I know there were some long nights over there, Dan, with uh, playing Franklin over the years. Well, the worst, the worst night of all time. We played them on a on a Wednesday night. You know how those Tri-Valley games yeah, yeah. Go, go a little bit late. So we started late. It was literally the coldest night of the year. And we're driving home. We get killed, safe to say. Kids are all showered. We had cheerleaders on the bus. We're driving down 495. And this is before, I don't think King Street exit was even there yet. Okay. So okay. We're, we're in between Route 140 and Route 1A. The engine, the bus and the engine seizes. Oh, no. And we're in the middle of nowhere at like after 11 o'clock at night. No cell phones yet, mind you. Yeah. So, so we had to wait for somebody. We couldn't go walk for help because it was so cold. Yeah. So uh, we finally see the state police and travel northbound of 495. He has to go all the way up to Route 140, turn around, comes back to us. We had to let, have him patch the Stoughton police to let the parents know why we're going to be late, et cetera, et cetera. But that was the most memorable trip to Franklin. Wow. And, Dan, you've had a lot of road trips over the years, so I'm sure there's, you know, all, all kinds of stories from the road that you could potentially share. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we spent a lot of miles on the buses, to be honest with you, in uh, the special moments, too, especially the practices. I mean, for me, and you ask anybody that played for me, uh, that did, did go back and forth to Dorchester for practices. I mean, that was our home away from home. They treated us like w we were their home rank, you know, I mean, like we were from Dorchester, which Stoughton was at one point in time, but that's a different story. Right, right. But, but, I mean, the, the special memories going to and from the rink there, I, I'll cherish those. I know the kids cherish those forever. Our kids are all adults now, but you know what I'm saying. It's just a great, great memories. Yeah. So, uh, Dan, you know, you're, you've certainly uh, you, you've made your, your mark. You're, you're a Hall of Fame coach uh, in, in multiple places. Uh, you've been doing this for 41 years. Um, looking into the future, how much longer do you, uh, do you want to stay with it? I know you're certainly young at heart. You look like you're in great shape. Uh, how much longer uh, do you foresee yourself coaching? Well, I don't have a timeline, to be honest with you, John. I, I, I think you know when it's time and I, I'm, I'm as passionate as ever been. 
I feel I'm as dedicated as I've ever been. Um, I stay current. It's not like I'm doing drills I did back in, you know, 1984. I mean, I'm, I go to coaches clinics all the time. I keep it fresh. So I think once, once it's no longer that enjoyable for me, which I don't know if that'll ever be the case, but, um, I really don't have a I don't have a, a set date in sight unless somebody decides there's a set date for me, which is always a possibility. And we, we, I, yeah, we we also okay. we also have to mention um, how supportive your wife has been over the years, and obviously, uh, she she has to understand how much of a passion this is for you, and, and for her to stand by you all this time, that has got to be so special. It, it is. She's she's an absolute saint for putting up with me. Uh, you know, she knows, oh, I still play hockey two or three times a week in men's leagues. Uh, but that's what I do. I mean, it's not like I'm out bow hopping or whatever. So, you know, we've, she's always understood that I love to play hockey. And she knows how much I love to coach. So she's always been unbelievably supportive. I mean, I don't think I could have been as long a coach as, as I have been if it wasn't for her support. Well, Dan, before we wrap it up, I, I just had one more memory that popped into my head. It was a playoff game down at the Bridgewater Ice Arena, and I can't remember who Stoughton was playing that night. I want to say it was uh, it was either sandwich. a sandwich, right? And uh, see, you remember the game just as I brought it up. A sandwich won that game. I, I think it was a single overtime, two to one. But Dan, in all the years I did Stoughton hockey on uh, Stoughton Cable Nine, those ten years, that was probably the most exciting game that I ever called there. It, it really was. I mean, we were, I, I still have vivid memories of the whole thing. Like. I remember Dave Glynn, who was a special player. He got 40-plus goals for me one year. I know you knew that. Um, he, we're up 2-1, to one, and he had a break-in, and 99% of the time he makes moves. And I kept telling him, you know, Dave, occasionally you got to shoot it. So what does he do? He shoots it and hits the crossbow. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, the one time you listen to me. But then so they tied it up. I know you remember this, too. Uh, we, we got a too-many-men-in-the-ice penalty which the officials that were there watching it were furious about the call. They said, yep. they said it never should have, but whatever, it was a call. And uh, I had told my defenseman not to pinch because Sandwich's goalie really handles the puck well. And sure enough, they tie it up. And then in, over, in overtime, the goalie gets the puck. The goalie pinch, my defenseman pinches. He hits it to center ice. The kid goes in and scores. Game over. And before the overtime, my athletic director was Peter Looney at the time, I believe. He, he he said to me, I've never been to a hockey overtime game before. I go, well, Pete, they usually end even the first minute or the last minute of overtime. And sure enough, I think it was a minute minute some change they scored and the game was over. But that was a great game, John, no question about it. It was. And also, I have to mention that Stoughton had a Russian player on their roster, right? Yuri Sheremetyev. And what a talent I, he was. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I was going to mention that when you asked me, if, if you're going to ask me any last things to say. Because... I remember how challenged you were to, to pronounce that name, and you <laughs> nailed it. He, 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 he was a phenomenal talent, and he was the nicest kid. I stay in touch with him. I mean, he uh, – I know it's a cliche, but my two best – two of my best players ever, him and, and Mike Rodriguez, who played at Merrimack, they were my hardest workers. So it's more than a coincidence, but, but Yuri was unbelievable. After his sophomore year, he got recruited to play up in Halifax in the uh, Quebec Major Junior League. And the way it works is coaches are supposed to sign a letter of release from the high school team. I wrote this glowing letter on him, you know, great kid, hard worker, a lot of that. 
the coach calls me up. He, he questioned whether I actually wrote the letter. He oh, goes, boy. because most coaches, most coaches are angry that they're losing a kid. I'm like, how am I going to stand that kid's way? And he had a, he had a good career up there. I guess he got injured and he, uh, he eventually ended up getting traded to a lower level, but he actually played one season with Brad Marchand up there too. Oh, that's great stuff. And yeah. we, we we actually have one other uh, connection, right? Chris Ross, who, a guy you know well, yeah. is an assistant at Merrimack now. And uh, from what you've told me, uh, he's a fascinating guy. I had a chance to meet him this year. And uh, yeah, he's a musician, too. So how can you not love the guy, right? Well, I figured you and him would have something in common. He plays all the time up in Maine. But uh, Chris, Chris is just an absolute gentleman. I can't say enough good words about him. It was a loss from, from Medway High when he left, but I mean, he's right now where he wants to be. And I, I, I envision that he'll move up to a paid coach in no time at all. Well, Dan, it's certainly been wonderful uh, going through the memory banks with you. You know, the you were there from day one, and uh, it was December 23rd, 1995. I still have the tape up in my attic, and uh, you were such a great guy to work with, and I know that uh, many of the students in Stoughton uh, really enjoyed uh, your experiences uh, being with you as a coach and as a teacher, and uh, I'm, I'm very grateful that you chose to come on here today, and I know our audience is going to love it. And so I look forward to speaking with you down the road and uh, also catching some more Black Knight hockey. So thanks again, Dan. I appreciate it, John. And one last thing. Nobody, I tell you, I think everybody ought to follow your lead. You never forget where you came from. Yeah, it's uh, it's special, you know. Stoughton's my Stoughton's my town, and I know you've Same been here. you you've been around it forever, and uh, we're very blessed to to do what we do. So, Dan, again, thanks so much for being here, and and I truly appreciate it. Thank you, John. All right. Next week, we'll be talking to an author, uh, Jay Atkinson. We'll be talking some more hockey next week. So thanks again for tuning in. This is John Leahy. You've been listening to Airing It Out Files from Leahy's Broadcast Booth. We'll see you next week. Mitochondrial disease is a rare multi-symptom disease characterized by breakdowns in the mitochondria which are specialized compartments that are present in every cell of the body except red blood cells and are responsible for creating more than 90% of the energy needed by the body to sustain life and support growth. A disease most commonly associated with children, currently there is no cure, just management of symptoms. Hugs for Mito Inc. is mitochondrial disease, rare disease advocacy, awareness, fundraising for research trials, and hopefully a cure. To learn more, please visit hugsformito.org.